My face currently feels like I've been run through by Tom Stewart. Puts it to the top of the square. Oh, beautiful little fist in there by Dale. Crucial centimetre moments. He definitely has a bit of the, uh, the Belcho spirit. <laughs> um, as I, I have a bit of the Belcho spirit. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to The Back Pocket, the podcast that is languishing at the bottom of the ladder 0-2 after being ruined by the left foot of an 18-year-old boy. We're not worried about it. Not worried about it. Not worried about it. Nothing to worry about because we are in a better position than Hawthorne. (laughs) Um, I I think we're older than their list by a stretch on average. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't like thinking about. Uh, Your hosts, as always, are me, Jack, and I'm joined by Alistair... Um, who's off to a great start as a coach at his new club. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. No, wrong Alistair. Oh, he's kicking. He's going well. Uh, we're doing it. Let's go. Uh, the average age of Hawthorne's list this year is 23. 20, 23.1. Oh, that's... 18th by a like a, a way. Yeah, that... Adelaide and Essendon are about to hit 24 on average. I don't know how I feel about that. That's very young. Yeah. Um, well, uh, for a podcast about defenders, it was a pretty big week for key forwards this week. Uh, Thirteen mm, key forwards keep three or more goals. Fourteen if you count Myocek, who really does play as one at Collingwood. Mm. Uh, not not great. Lots of bags, high scores, unless you count the Freo North game, which was not high scoring. Nah. Uh, Larky still kicked. Yeah, Larky still kicked a bag again, yeah. leading the Coleman LDU, probably leading the Brownlow. Mm. Uh, She's North, North, leading the Rising Star. North in the top eight. Lot going on. Uh, <laughs> Strange, they got yeah. Hawthorne this week, so probably another win notched in. That's three from three. That's more wins than they had last year. It's a good storyline, isn't it? Round three, Hawthorne can't win. North undefeated. Coach and ex-player going Tyco against each other. Goofy holding the ball airplanes on the boundary line. It'll be Caro having a mare about it. Would <laughs> he classified? Yeah. Look, I get it. Uh, in a way, like... He is putting on a performance to try and build a camaraderie at that club, which is the right thing to do because they have been through coach after coach. Trying to buy into the the youth and the excitement, whatever. However, it is goofy. If they lost... You can't deny the fact that it's goofy. If they lost, which they very nearly did, that would have been replayed for the other reasons of it looking really stupid. Not, Not that I think it's wrong for him to do it. I just think we have to understand that it's very silly and you don't see any other coach doing that even craig mccray who is you definitely know, buying into the youth yeah club, he's not sure. on the boundary line two meters away from a player dropping an airplane so i don't know it's it's a non-issue really maybe I'm he not, should be maybe they would have won the flag last year if he was <laughs> i'm not concerned about it so um that was the only game as well to my high scores the only game this week that the winning team didn't knock 90 points was that really game every other game the winning team was 90 or 100 or more well the afl are going to love that um highest banging home crowds Mm -hmm. uh, following up that the two highest opening rounds of a season with uh, a derby a showdown and collingwood versus richmond at the mcg so shame about all the racism probably gonna oh yeah just a bit of that going around Um, (laughs) shouldn't laugh but collingwood supports the voice to parliament which seems like a relevant thing for a football club to i think be talking about good of them to be putting their name in considering the issues they've had with racism Uh, they should be doing everything they can to advocate and be better Um, so I have no problem with them talking about it Uh, we're all going to move on from it as soon as the game starts so who who really cares what they say during the week 
Alright, so shall we roll into, uh, though you're not very excited about it, votes for the week? Yeah, look, I'm not happy about the votes this week because I feel like, maybe I'm just being really harsh this year. I was last week uh, last week last as well. Week, yeah, you were. Um, I don't think there's been too many great defenders this week. brilliant games. No. Um, uh, I've got a slew of honourable mentions, but again, they are more... Well, I don't even have a huge amount of honourable mentions, but I have got five votes that I've settled on. Uh, yeah, I've I've made my decision. So I'll after start. last week, we talked about there were so many defenders who played really good mm. games. There were people who you bagged out last week for letting goals get them that would have absolutely got three or four votes this week. Yeah, uh, playing the same game. So mm. harsh, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you go if you want to roll. I'll, with your I'll one. start with number one. My one is going to your favourite, Brandon Zerk Thatcher. Okay, yeah, he was definitely me. in my mentions. Had a had a good game. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably one of his best. He had a couple of really good ones towards the end of last season. Um, Stats-wise, not huge, but I think he's becoming a bit of a rock, and I'm glad to see him be a mainstay in that defence now. I think he might have got one or two coaches votes as well for his performance. Uh, I think um, he did. I'm not... I'm, Low end. Yeah, not, not locked in on that, but yeah, definitely played a good game. Um, and like you say, just a really good defensive game. Just really yep. just played a role, sat in there. Lockdown. And, you know, I, they ran home with that game in the last quarter. Uh, which was a shame for Gold Coast because they really needed to win that. But good for Essendon. Um, I think he, I think. I think he's done his ankle at the end of the game too. So probably played his best game for the club Rough. and injured himself. So he'll be out next week. So probably no votes for a couple of weeks for, for <laughs> Big ZT. So we'll see. Um, all right. Well, my one vote was to podcast favourite Sam Collins. Okay. Um, had I'm seven... just going to roll along because Sam Collins is my two. Is votes. he two? Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Had his seven contested defensive one on ones. Only lost mm-hmm. one of them. Yep. Ten spoils, eleven marks. Five of those marks were intercepts. Three contested. Yep. Six pressure acts as well for a big man. He's huge. Laid four tackles, and mm-hmm. he is a monster of a man. So that's more importantly watching that game. Even though I didn't want to, um, <laughs> he was pointing, generally controlling the back line, which is something that vice captain there. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he's this. I think they've got co-captains and a sole vice-captain um, but he's very much a leader of that club we saw it last year um, I think he's really important to their future uh, I, I wish you could have told Ballard not to elbow someone in the back of the head um, but it's I okay he, I wish he, he didn't give away got a fine. So, <laughs> four goals or five goals to Langford playing uh, on him so incredible um, but he only got a fine so it really wasn't a problem mm. we're all good uh, but either way I thought he played a really good game uh, and hopefully, you know, carries that on because he got pretty much a bit of a bath against Sydney. Um, although the ball went inside 50 that many times. Yeah. But I reckon most blokes would have got a bath. I think Sydney, early on in the year, have shown that whoever they're playing is going to be challenged. Um, yes. Whether they keep that up the whole year, who knows. But, um, yeah, I can't really uh, pants him too much for last week. Yeah, definitely some fire in the blood. Um, so, no pun intended, but at Sydney. Mm. Um, they're mm. just playing with, with an absolute ferocious passion. Yes. Uh, until about 10 minutes to go against Hawthorne, it looked like they weren't just going to stop. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, worried about whoever comes in their path. And this week it's Melbourne with no Gorn or May. So, could be... It could be bad, but they'll want to bounce back from yes. last week as well. I think they'll spend a lot of this week working on that connection with Grundy. If it pays off, we don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, all right. So, your so two again. My two again. Uh, my two was... I didn't get him in here last week. I did this week. Mason Redman. Okay. Um... Played another really good game. 22 touches this week. Uh, seven marks, five intercepts, 12 pressure acts, all in the defensive half. Uh, and this week, kicked a point. So, doesn't get the <laughs> the deduction for scoring a goal. Um, Mason Redman kicked two goals. That was last year, wasn't it? Kicked a point this week. Oh, I don't know. Maybe anyway, I mixed him um, up. Once again, thought he was good. Uh, 
just he's he's become a real role player. He's one of the most important players and one of the best players in that team. He did kick two goals last week. That's um, my bad. I yeah, really enjoyed his game. So that's my two. Uh, I didn't I didn't find room for Mason Redmond. Spoilers, he's in my honourable mentions. I had to choose between him and Zerk Thatcher, Thatcher for my one. Understand that because I, I had it the other way around. Yeah, I made I made that decision. So onto my three. Um, I don't think this is too controversial. Uh, Harris Andrews for my three. three as well. Sweet, um, that works. Uh, I had him on honourable mentions last week. Said mm. that had they not got belted, probably would have been in there. Yeah. Um, he played as a captain. I thought this week. I thought he really led. I think he that did team. what Lever did. Lever did last week for Melbourne, yeah. but better. High pressure acts, high intercepts, mm-hmm. took ten marks, kicked the ball really well. Uh, when when he was taking that ball out of that back line, his disposal was brilliant. And once again, like you say, like like the Collins game, you could see him instructing the younger players players around him and where to be. Yep. Had the lights not gone out in that game, which was one of the most bizarre moments I've seen, because Fox cut out for us about three times during that game. Yeah. I thought it was just that again. But then I realised that there was still movement on the screen and it was just the fact that the lights had gone out. Uh, had the lights not gone out, they would have won by 30, 40 points. Yeah. Um, just on on uh, Brisbane, quickly, I'm going to throw my honourable mention in here because it's relevant. Mm. I think Jack Payne uh, played a really good support role to Andrews. He had, uh, I think, 9 or 10, 1% yeah, in I, that game. I was really worried, but he um, kicked in the hand and mm. went off because I thought they might be in trouble without him, but... Uh, um, I think those two are making a really good combo, uh, especially with Marcus Adams uh, potentially not coming back to the game. Um, yeah, it, it could was really, be. really sad to, to hear um, him talked about this week. Um, I heard them talking to Fagan. I think it was either halftime or after the game. They asked about Adams, I think, seen this year. And he said, Look, I don't think we'll ever see him on a football field again. Mm. Um, he said, We're not worried about him playing football. We just want him to be well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the way that Fagan just moved immediately to playing football is, is not always great like the, the positivity that is just gone yeah. um, so hopefully Adams is alright and it's it's such a strange thing to have this week where people are still talking about the bump being dead and football being soft when something like Adams is happening mm-hmm. the same week as that someone who's one of the most beloved footballers in the country um, um, yeah and, and we had the, obviously the double sling tackles so it's it's very interesting that we've had three or four tribunal cases already within All two weeks. concussion related, yeah. you know, uh, except for Except for SD, uh, yeah. TDK, which yeah. was a write-in, which I didn't even know you could do. It was weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I also think that um, the bump is dead discussion each year is really funny because it's like um, John Farnham. Like every year, yeah, like bump is dead. Tour. And then the next year... Oh, sorry, his farewell tour. The next year or six months later, the same year, um, the bump's dead again because it hasn't died. People are still doing it. Um, same as Goodwin telling his players not to do it every March um, and then forgetting I, about I it I don't understand it like the, the, there is still room for a bump it's just that if you elect to bump and you take the head that's the risk you've taken so probably don't bump like simple as that pretty easy um, um, anyway that's rolling got nothing into to do with Andrews <laughs> four votes um, <laughs> I'm going to give my four to Jack Sinclair Jack Sinclair okay well I'll, I'll skip ahead he was my five votes okay yep um, uh, the only reason I didn't give him five uh, is he had ten pressure acts which is great but only two tackles yeah I know that's not his game but Step it up. I, I did. <laughs> I did notice that I had his pressure acts down, and I was like, "Do I write down two tackles at all? Is it even worth writing down?" I put so, it in brackets. Um, um, <laughs> but thirty-two touches at thirty-three touches at eighty-eight. Yeah. Nine contested disposals as well, mm-hmm. which is you know 
with the combined game. with those pressure acts, played a really hard game. It's, it felt like he was just everywhere mm, watching that game. I think the good thing about Jackson Clare last year is he was one of the few St Kilda players when you watch, you went, ah, he's trying his heart out. Him and Steele, yep. obviously. Um, and it was great to watch them. And now every player in that team is playing with the same intensity, speed intensity. and intensity as Sinclair. Steele... Um, except they're not as good as him, so it makes insane. him look better. <laughs> um, I cannot fathom playing with a broken collarbone, let alone picking up no, five or six disposals no. and a tackle after coming back onto the field. Um, like we knew he was tough as nails, but that mm. just confirmed that he is nuts. Um, their injury list now could just about beat their listed team. Yeah. If you topped up with another eight VFL players. You've mm. got Membry, Steele, Billings, King, Caulfield, your favourite to forget, Mackenzie, mm. Zach Jones, Jack Hayes, um, and then a few... Uh, people who were almost in the side and Alison Houghton, Keeler McLennan, and then Bytel and Webster on the short-term injury list. The weird thing is how many of those are just indefinite well, injuries. Yeah. and, and There's and like six or seven we won't see well. for the whole season. It's, it's a... I understand why people thought they were going to start so poorly because of that list. Like, mm. that's a... Membry and... Um, Membry, King, and Hayes together was enough for me to go, well, how are they going to score? Yeah. For starters, turns um, out kids doesn't matter. You just bring in some eighteen and twenty year olds, and you're fine. Um, so that I mean, they're doing really well against all yeah. of my expectations. And a lot of that is still helped by Jackson Clare continuing his form from last year. Yeah, and with Steele out, it's going to be interesting to see whether they can because he was just a bull all game again. Um, whether they can continue that same ferocity around the ball. Uh, we shall see. Brad Crouch also played a great game, so like I, I'm, I'm, I think there's yeah, an infectious was... energy there at the moment, which could see them in good stead against Essendon. But I could also say the same thing about Essendon. So yeah, Essendon look like they're playing a more exciting brand of football. Um, they look like they're having fun for the first time in two years. Absolutely. Well, I might do my five because we'll swap that around, and then you can do your. Well, I, I, my, my four. Sorry, I can't. Imagine you can do your five. I can't imagine it's different. Um, sure. My four is Aiden Core. Um, okay. Mine is different. So it'll be interesting to see who a five is. Is it? Or I won't jump ahead and spoil it, but I have a feeling it might be. Yeah. Uh, Aiden Core played the game that he was so close to playing so many times last year. Um, he didn't lose a single contested one on one out of six he had. He had 22 touches, six intercepts, five contested, six spoils, 10 marks, 10 pressure acts, and three tackles at fullback. Oh, that's, that's what you want. Um, and that's marshalling that back line too, mm. because they've, they've dropped like flies with retirement and injury. Um, I think that's the best game I've ever seen him play. Uh, and he played some really good ones last year in shocking losses, but Frio were pumping that ball in there over and over again in that last term, and that back line held up really well. I think there's a lot of issues for Frio involved in that, as much as there are credit to North Melbourne, but um, I thought he led that back line superbly. Uh, I think he's definitely being helped out with the addition of Logue. Logue's been close to their best player, obviously. Yeah, he's been really good. Not including the three we mentioned earlier in the podcast, but uh, I think Logue has been important to that back line um, and if you get Logue, Mackay and Core together, that's a pretty good three. Yeah, uh, um, especially... I and mean, Sheasel played a lot of uh, really good... Uh, we can criticise Dacos for it last year. I still think Sheasel played more of a wing role, but he also spent a lot of time in the defensive half last mm. week um, playing some proper defensive stuff. I think he had 16 or something pressure acts too. So um, credit where it's due. Or 26 pressure acts and 16 defensive half pressure acts. The kid was just everywhere. Yeah, 23 pressure acts in total, it says here. So. Yeah. Um, and your five, I'm going to guess, is this one. Yeah. Yeah. Noah Bolter. Well, um, I can't... That was, this is an audio format, and I just looked at a list yeah. that he'd written and said yes. Uh, sorry, um, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Noah Bolter was everywhere. He, he was really good. I just... Um, 
something about that game, I just what happened to Richmond in the second half until ten minutes to go when they kicked away again? They just switched off. Yeah. Um, Fogarty a, was getting goals out the back, and it's a weird one, right? Because I did look at the uh, after the game, I looked at the scores. I was like, Warren Fogarty did score three and two respectively, or something like that. And I'm like, I didn't feel like that when I was watching it. Maybe it I just did zone out when Adelaide minutes were coming of Adelaide, back, but. Um, 25 minutes of Adelaide, you will see the whole city as well. Um, but <laughs> I, I I did think he was really good. Obviously, he was my first special mention. I had a question mark next to him as in, can I squeeze him in? Because he was very, very good. But I didn't get him in this week. He I was... think I picked Noel Bolter because for a while now, like when Noel Bolter first started playing for Richmond, he was going to be the next Rewell. And then he yeah. was going to be the next... Uh, Rants. Rants. Uh, yeah. And I think since then he has been a bit all over the shop. And I this was more the next Grimes than Rants the way he looked this week. Oh, for um, sure. He looked really good. I think. Uh, I think this was a good game to see his potential again. I'm not saying that he's been he terrible. Is, he is a backman for me. Um, um, I think so too. He had five tackles as well for a big yeah, man, which is pretty good. Yeah, had a really really good game. I really like Noel Volta. I love mm. the way he plays football, uh, and it is nice that they've got that um, break glass and goes emergencies and he can play forward or in the middle. Yeah. Um, and you know if, if they get that rolling if they get the younger kids in that back line playing more often then Bolton might have more freedom but at the moment he's super important to them especially with brought out for four weeks now um, that's going to be a pretty gaping hole in their back line he usually takes a player all the way up the ground the player that Bolter or Grimes doesn't want to follow you know into the middle and onto the wings so to be interesting to see how that works I think the other really important stat that we've kind of looked over for Noah Bolter and why I gave him my five he had the third most meters gained on the ground That's for a key. Yeah, uh, not just who, not just short chipping. As I was saying, but like broad plays his game usually stays back. That's just good kicking. That's only over thirteen disposals. Yeah, that's great. When you look at Short and Dawson, who had higher, but they had twenty and twenty-seven I had, respectively. I had Dawson in special mentions as well. He actually was forced to play a defensive <laughs> role because Richmond were steamrolling them for a lot of that yeah. game. Um, and as captain, I thought he really tried to will them back into that game for the bit of time they managed to fall back into it, but. Um, yeah, we've seen a first half of one game and a third quarter of another game that Adelaide looked really good, and then five quarters outside of that where they looked really bad. Yeah, I still don't know what to feel about so, Adelaide. Um, who have they got this week? Port. Showdown. Oh, Port will want to bounce back on that one. Yeah. so That could be ugly. But you never know what's going to happen in a showdown, let's oh, be real. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the two last year went the opposite ways to what you'd have thought they would, so... Um, well, you said you didn't have many honourable mentions. Didn't have right? a huge amount. I've already run through several of them. Cool. Obviously, Dawson, Bolter. I'm going to run through really quick then. Go for it. Uh, Sam DeConing, uh, honourable yep. mention, played really well on uh, Mackay inside good. 50. Kind of let him ro- roam, and he kind of did a swap over with Radagalia, which was part of the problem, because Radagalia couldn't go with Kerno or Mackay for speed. He's also an honourable mention, because in tight... He looks really good. He, he just spoils to the wrong area or will sometimes zone out and his players 30 so, metres so, away. Sav's spoiling to the corridor tears me apart. I did enjoy him <laughs> now against Carlton doing his best impression of what Young did the week before with that run back on the goal line as mm. Kerner was about to kick that goal and just smacking it through. I was like, that's what you want to see. That's yeah. you know, proper defensive instinct. I think, I think so. the, the, the potential is there, but boy, it's, it's if, trial by fire right now yeah, for him. Yeah, I, I saw someone's say on Twitter this week that we'll probably see a few games this this year where Sav looks close to best on ground and some other games where he costs five goals. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately and in the first two rounds he's cost at both. least four per game. <laughs> it's been both. Um, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed his game. I thought the same about Young. If, if Young didn't let 
uh, yeah. Cameron take marks on the arc yeah. uh, that many times. So how do you stop Cameron, though, I think? is the... it, I don't know if anyone will be able to do that this um, year. And regarding that, Young ended up taking that mark at the end of the game, mm. which arguably saved it. Yeah. Uh, that and the spoil from... Kid, what's his name? Hollands. Hollands. That spoil was yeah. game changing. Elite from a, a second gamer. I think uh, uh, Jacob Weedering also playing uh, Hawkins. The reason he doesn't get a vote is because Hawkins is so underdone yeah, he right now. Looks cooked, but Weedering um, still always plays Hawkins well. Always. Um, and did it again. I. He's one of the few that actually kind of has his number. If Geelong will have to take neither Hawkins or Cameron to the Gold Coast this week, um, I wonder <laughs> if they'll take Hawkins just because they have to. It'll be interesting. Um, but we'll, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, last two, real quick. Dane mm. Rampy got my five last yep, week. was good again. I'm giving him the Hawthorne discount. There's, I can't give you five votes for yeah. playing against well, a team that didn't show up. Especially when you almost won by 100 points. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, Dane. No, you'll have to climb, climb a goalpost <laughs> in anger. Uh, and Luke Ryan. I don't know what to yeah, think about same Luke Ryan. Again. It's junk football. It is. Um, like Some of them are intercepts, sure, but... Where did it go the, again? You know, like there was a lot of kickouts. There if, was a lot of. If you uh, actually look at his marks. stats, it really, really shows how. Um, I don't know stats lie. Do you I want to watch the game. fantasy? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I couldn't justify giving him a vote this week. It was the same yeah. reason I, I gave um, Cox the votes in the first week because Cox had a much better game. But um, in the same vein, uh, they ended up playing him forward at yeah. the end because they needed to. Oh, that's what I said. Obviously, last week. Um, I did want to... Uh, we talked earlier about Geelong's midfield looking like the issue. I think that there was an interesting thing, and it's it's what Frio don't seem to be doing, but I think there's an interesting part of why a good backline is so important in modern football, in, in the way that teams have are forced to play football in, in the Richmond vein that Carlton now are, Collingwood are, mm. is that having a strong backline allows your midfielders to play without fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and Geelong, without that defensive structure, looks so uncertain to take that kick that they were last year, the really dangerous kick, because if they turn it over and they know that there's no Stuart, Henry, Kolodajny back there to be, you know, floating across and reading the play, that they know there's going to be scored against. Mm. And they're currently one of the worst teams in the comp for scoring against on turnover, and last year they were the best in the comp. It doesn't help that they play so, two teams that should be Yeah, and, and teams four. that are good at scoring on turnover. Yeah. So the stats are a bit skewed by that. But The problem I have watching both of those Geelong games now is that all of the midfielders seem reactionary. They're all drawn I into the player couldn't and then the ball gets out. how long it to- took to put Bowes in the midfield. Mm. Who off half-back, his kicking was clearly the best field kicking in the team and he was recruited as a midfielder. I understood they had backline issues but you can put Guthrie or Blixiles back there. Eventually it was Guthrie who looked better behind the ball in the end as well. But it felt like that was a really slow reaction to what looked like an obvious change. But um, obviously, I'm not a two-time premiership coach, so I'll give Scotty um, the benefit of the doubt on that one. But it, it was an interesting um, decision, I thought, to leave that midfield pretty same samey for most of that mm. game. And it's a, it's an issue, and in the post game, he talked about not putting too much pressure on them. But I feel like that move could have been pulled a little earlier, especially with Guthrie being pretty well blanketed by Kerno. Yes, absolutely. And again, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how they're going to react this year. And it's it's always different being the hunted. Um, and Geelong really weren't that last year. Mm. And they are now. Like Melbourne last year with the Blueprint. Mm-hmm. Melbourne were the team that everyone knew they had to beat. And Geelong's game plan was so radically different to what it was the year before that teams didn't seem to have an answer. Whereas this year, that's not the case. It's, it's a similar game plan with less personnel. And everyone's had to analyse it and watch it because it was the game plan that obviously was dominant last year. Um, and speaking of Melbourne being the hunted, there was a stat released about their win and loss without May. 
uh, before the game. Hold on. Sorry, I just want to backtrack before yeah, we yeah, come course. back to Melbourne. Have we been a bit harsh on Harry, Harry Sheasel this week? Yeah, he was, like I said, he played much more defensive than you, you think, but it felt like a defensive wing still. Um, but yeah, I, I did say that. It was much more defensive than Dacos was last mm. year. It's the 23 pressure acts, the six tackles, a couple of one percenters. Ugh, I feel bad about it, but I'm sure but, uh, if he continues if to play that defense, game, he'll get But also, if you watch that game, which we did, mm. unfortunately, the whole team was in the back line. Yeah, that's true. At, at times of that game, for both teams. Like, there was just... The flooding in that game was horrendous. It was it was forced by Freo. They were playing that kind of football. Um, but it was hard to watch. Um, yeah, my May bit. Yes, back to Melbourne and May. Um, their win-loss, I, I factored in this game after seeing it. I saw the stat for before the game. And obviously it didn't matter last week because Lever played out of his skin. But they are, since picking him up, um, 45-24 at 119% with him, winning mm. 65% of games. 6-14 now without him Yeah. Um, at a percentage of 90. Uh, he's clearly a massive loss to them. Gorn, I think, was a bigger loss in that game. I think so too. Um, they were they dominated the clearances last week against a good clearance side, and this week, the other way around. Uh, Grundy just could not get it to Oliver or Viney or Petrarca in that midfield. Um, and, yeah, Brisbane were running away with that game. Their midfielders were having a ball. Um, and that was without Dunkley even barely getting near it. Ashcroft mm. looked what we expected him to look in the first round. Gun. He was brilliant. Um, so, about 10 clearances, not yep. nine clearances, 31 disposals. He was close to best on ground in his second game of footy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy how complete a lot of these kids are mm-hmm. now when they come into the system. It used to be a shock, but now you just expect. You just look at uh, Rao's first three games, Dykos' season, yeah, Walsh's you just season. Two or three of the yeah. top five to come in as ready made I feel like they, it's getting better because yeah. they it used to be one or two and now it's seemingly more like yeah, you get surprised when they're not. tearing it apart up forward yeah and I think obviously tools we know are different but when you get yeah, the midfielders mm. especially the big bodied midfielders yeah. you just expect them to come in Holland's game as well mm-hmm. um, you just expect them to come in and play good footy and they are um, but Hawthorne obviously McKenzie doing the same yep. thing he's been close to their best player in a pretty ordinary side um, it's just going going hard. So yeah, with see. with Melbourne it'll be interesting. Lever obviously did a really good job round one, so I'm going to back him in to continue that. Their game against Sydney this week is big. Yeah. Uh, for their season, uh, they don't even have to win it. I think they just have to look competitive because Sydney are looking really good. Mm. And without Gorn for four weeks is huge, but if they win, amazing. They're, obviously they're back to where we thought they were. Um, but if they lose unconvincingly, it's definitely a worry. I think. Um, so we. S- just briefly talked about Hawthorne. Mm. Uh, there's been a bit of uproar this week about Hawthorne and tanking. Uh, I don't think they're tanking in-game. I think that they just don't have the personnel anymore. I don't think it matters. Is there going to be a big difference between Hawthorne winning three extra games this year with, let's say, Mitchell and Shields in the team, or losing those three games and playing youngsters, even though it might potentially do a kneel and build a losing culture? I, I, I don't see much of a difference. After round one, when West Coast lost to North, the outcry was, why are all the old players still on their list? Mm-hmm. Hawthorne acted early on that. And look, we knew they were going to suffer. We talked about this. We, we just You expect that this year. We... But we, we also expected Gold Coast and Genoa to suck the first few years out in the comp. Like this is, whether it's going to work or not remains to be seen. Yeah. But they've done it with a reason in mind, and it's not draft picks. Like The reason right. isn't to get better picks. It's that they get to play the kids every week and get them AFL-level football. Gel them together. And and see if they can form a team. I think Sicily's a great leader of that side. Yep. I think he has good energy to be around a young team. Um, and it's just a shame that obviously they're going to get 
papered a bit this year. It's it's we know what Sam Mitchell's coaching potential is. We saw him in the first three, four, five rounds last year. Yeah. Uh, and what he can do to sides, he brings. When they went down to Tassie and beat Brisbane at yeah. the end of the year last year, that was a like a highlight of the he season. He brings a good system to those kids, and that's what will they will benefit from. So I know it's just the media overreacting as they always do. It's round two. There's not much to talk about in round but two. Like, it's part of the issue. You know what they should be talking about? They should be talking about we need to tighten the rules on uh, breaks in games. There should be There's a be, defined time limit like th- regardless no of issue. There's no way that that is fair on the team that's that far in front to have all of their players get cold and come back out after 45 minutes yeah. of an eight-minute warm-up. That's not... I think if it's after half-time... Yeah, and the rule is that it's written off like that after half-time yeah. if it's more than a half an hour or an hour at the AFL's discretion. But I think half to, an hour needs to be the hard rule yeah. because... Uh, it's it's ridiculous that we've seen this twice in the past two years, mm-hmm. and each time the result has almost changed because of it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and on top of that, the potential of injury is too high, and there's a, a weird communication issue, it seems, with the AFL. Melbourne were apparently training 10 minutes earlier. Uh, yeah, and Brisbane was still in Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane's home game. There's yeah. a lot going on. And, and Melbourne came back. Also, it, it seems weird that Brisbane would play on that ground for half of this year. Like, if that ends up being the case. I don't I don't understand the whole Gabba thing. Um, yeah, me neither. But, yeah, if it is the case that they're only playing on that ground for half of this year, wouldn't you want to play on the ground you might play finals on yeah. for the whole year? Like, it seems very weird to me that you'd want to play just six to eight games at your traditional home ground and then have to change home grounds come September, like August and September. Mm. Um, but yep, maybe they'll play there the whole year. Maybe that plan will change again because yeah. last year I thought they weren't playing there at all this year. So yeah, that's what I, that's what I was under the assumption. So who, who knows? Um, all, all for the Olympics, I guess, which seems to lose every country that hosts it money these days. But <laughs> that's oh, let's ruin the gabba for the Olympics. Well, hopefully we don't get COVID two point oh. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I'm just going to talk about MRO stuff. Yeah. Uh, is I've it? never seen a more cut-and-dry four-week suspension than Nathan Broad. <laughs> I saw it more. and I went, probably four weeks. And then they went to the tribunal asking for three, which was obviously them hoping for less. The AFL said if he hadn't gone up and apologised to both coaches, it would have been they would have pushed for five. Four weeks in the middle, it's four weeks. So the sling tackle is easier for them to punish because it's not a quote-unquote football, football act, act, right? I think a bump is uglier. Yeah, and, and also Richmond... I understood their argument in the sense that last year Lysett got four weeks for mm. a sling tackle and they said Lysett's was in the corridor whereas Broads was on the boundary and his swing took him over the line yeah, so to the heart of turf oh I agree with that I'm not saying he should have got less than four weeks but I do agree that at least that is something that is a, a football thought mm. I want to get ball over line um, true and a bump is I want to hurt player um, yeah. but also it was a textbook everything that is wrong with oh, a dump tackle. Like don't there get was, me wrong. You, if you drew a picture frame by frame like storyboard of what it looks like to do a dangerous tackle, Broad completed every step. I just think that the MRO at this point in the season has dug themselves a hole yes. with the adjudication so far simply because Buddy's Act deserved more than a week. Ballard getting because of that, Ballard shouldn't get a week for, for, because those two acts are totally mm-hmm. different. Um and the adjudication system, I think, needs to change. I don't want them to bring back, like, points or anything like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a strange setup at the moment. One like one man making all the decisions is weird. That's, sure, that, it needs, it to, be needs to be a panel. Um, but, yeah, it's just so inconsistent 
already. It's been two weeks in. Um, then the the deconing one was weird. Like, because I, yeah, I just don't understand any of that. Up. Um, so, as far as I saw it, the two rucks go up against yep. each other. Potential to jump and get the ball. Yeah. As far as I can see from the vision, TDK has his eyes on the ball and goes to put his knee up for the contact. Yeah. Stanley kind of just runs at him uh, and has eyes on deconing. That one is hard to but adjudicate. What I, I found still weird think was that they gave him a week, and then said. We should have given him a week. Here's a dossier. It's strange. They didn't give him a week. They gave him a fine. That's what I mean. Yeah, well, in, yeah they, in the end, because they argued down. So, no. Not they started okay. with a fine. So they gave him a fine, which I still think should stand. Yeah. Um, because it's clumsy. Yeah. I'm fine with the clumsy act being mm-hmm. penalised. Get better. Yeah. But my issue is, for years and years now, there have been ruckmen in the competition who lead with their knees and injure players and have never been cited. Oh, he's all elbows and knees, isn't he? I'm talking about your Sean Darcy's. I'm talking about your Braden Pruces. Uh, obviously, Mumford was one. They go knee up first Austin in McEnany. almost every contest. Uh, and, for example, one was Sean Darcy's knee uh, was what caused Pitnet, Pitnet to do yeah. his PCL. Um, and none of that is cited. But this one was. This is the first one I've seen where the knee in the rut contest has been cited. And I feel like... A player like Sean Darcy's career might completely change if they start to adjudicate these as suspensions. Yeah, well, that was interesting about the dossier, right? Like, I'm, I'm wondering if this is an, a flow-on effect, if we've talked about the fact that there's no GM of football currently in the AFL. Mm. Um, is that, did they mean to make it a rule change before the season? Like, how has a dossier now gone out to club saying, after round two, there's, there's, that that's an there's, unacceptable There's been act? no rule change, and there's been no precedent before this of calling it... Yeah, not a but we're going to send out a notice to all and the clubs I, after round two that it is. I've seen dozens of ruckmen do it. Yeah, dozens. Well, we always talk about. I see a ruck free and I go, I don't know. Yeah. I don't get them. That don't make sense. If you're jumping, you jump with your knee. Like if I'm jumping, yeah, my knee's coming up because that gives. Oh. So the thing about it is, there are probably twenty ruck frees a game. Yes, <laughs> that make no sense. That make no sense. But none of them have ever been for the knee. You can. Smash your knee into someone's stomach, won't be a free kick. Won't even be a report. You can bash your knee against them. You can use your knee to, like, push them away. Never been a free kick or a sight or a fine, as far as I know. Michael Gardner before. could have played for 20 years if you weren't allowed to bring your knees up. His knees got rattled by it, the Ruck's knees. And, like, that's that's what I would like them to stop. And I think part of that, I'm not going to get too far into it, but I think uh, a throw-up instead of a bounce yeah. is a good idea. It's more predictable. But... Um, it seems so strange that something that hasn't been a problem for 10, 15, 20 plus years is suddenly... And not even before the season. Yeah. After two rounds. Uh, and I'll be very interested to see how it goes going forward because I'm going to be watching players like Darcy, obviously, I don't think Bruce is playing at the moment, no. uh, but I'll be watching them closely because Ooh. it'll be interesting to see how many times they do. Just, uh, just crashing with a knee. Yeah. Um, it's, it's such a strange one. And especially to call mid-season because how do players have time to change the way they've been practicing their ruck work for the yeah, entire pre-season. Three plus months. Um, um, yeah, weird, weird call. Um, there are so many ruckmen who uh, are lost to the game for years because of knee injuries. Yeah. Um, who've just been diminished because of it. So I don't disagree with the fact that we should be trying to cut it down. I just think it's strange timing and... Yeah. I don't it's, it's all very odd. Um, I, yeah, I can't, I can't mm. really understand it either. Um... I did have... Uh, there was no Jobisms this week that I noticed, but I did catch Matthew Richardson on Thursday night uh, saying that he knows someone 
who picked every game right last week and BT said except the draw and he said no 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 including the draw oh yeah and BT was like come on Richo like he said no it's like it's a footy person he's like come on Richo who is it then he's like no I can't I can't say who it is like I'm not gonna he's like but they picked every game right I was like Richo mate like on it (sighs) he's got an uncle who works at Nintendo as well I think and I I works at the end um you don't though do you like you don't have if you do they're an idiot like if you picked a draw you're insane um, I think there was a good Jobism last year. I think he tried to say originated, but he said originated. Oh, yeah. Um, which made me laugh. Uh, I don't know if we ever talked about that one, but that was a good one. I like that. Um, I want to make a retraction. Mm. I said Bevo was the safest of the coaches that you mentioned in round one. <laughs> I have now watched two Bulldogs games, and I am very unconvinced they are a mess and his decision making on game day seems to be completely at sea when you've got a three-time all-australian contested ball winner in the forward pocket you've got a a 20 year old who played really well in the back line last year in the forward line dropped this week and too. who's dropped this week and josh bruce is still on the team who bought into the club as a key forward who's now playing a makeshift role in the back line um, because you sent your backman to St Kilda, mm-hmm. who you lost to because he played a really good game. Um, well, not because he played a really good game, but he was a big part of it. I thought Cordy was good for St Kilda. Yeah. Um, I have to wonder what's going on. Like, what what is happening in the in the makeup of that club? We've always had crazy Bevo, right? He's always chopped and changed. It, like he's probably over the course of the last five oh. years had the most ins and outs. Probably well, we, of we any said club. last year they they used all but two players yep. or something on their list last year. Um, and uh, it's really interesting that sometimes. A swing really pays off. Yeah, um, but I feel like for Bevo it usually doesn't, uh, and he keeps doing it. And I feel like it does stifle some players because you've got. Oh, I'm wondering how long it'll be until we see Lob play centre half back. Uh, right. Yeah, and like, Lob Lob coming back in this week as well um, after obviously having a very ordinary game in the first week. So it's Lob Norton and. You go Hagen up forward. It's going to be a forward line. Um, Norton, obviously, we know can kick a bag, but yeah. I feel like he needs a paddock to kick a bag. I feel like he's yeah. always played his best football when he's been their sole target. Sole target. And obviously, missing Waitman is huge for them. He I kicked think, a lot of goals for them over I the last two years. I think if they rolled with two keys up forward and had probably... You can't put you can't have Bruce in the back line, can you? It's, it's, I mean, he's been playing okay. Yeah, but Darcy played so well back there, and now they're like, no, he's a forward now. So if you have Darcy and Keith, who's your third tall? Yeah, I think so. That shows what we know. It's a great question. Ryan Gardner. Uh, no. Yes? Yes, sorry. I was oh, reading. Jones is obviously the other back. Jones, there we go. Of course. How do we forget that? Yeah, he, he's a good third tour. And then there, there's small defenders. Um, DeRay, Williams, Dale's obviously medium-sized, Richards. Good. Like, they're a genuinely good setup. Um, and this is a team that a few years ago, when they had an undersized back line, mm-hmm. one of the best defensive teams in the comp. Yep. And now, with a, an actual... I feel like that was due to midfield dominance, yes, though, right? Yeah. And, and the Which is of, something they'd lost. The loss of that has been huge for them. But they've looked a rabble the last mm. two weeks. They kicked all five of their goals in a row, I think, on the weekend. And St. Kilda just ran either side of that yep they uh, they carved them up through they made players who were slow look fast um, yeah so their ball use looks 
genuinely good um the excitement at St Kilda we'll uh, see how that goes long term yeah but, I know yeah, they're looking good for now they were top if, four going into the bye last year and they finished 10th so if I was a, a St Kilda fan I'd be pretty excited to rock up for the 150th game uh next week it should shape up to be pretty fun yeah I think so I've got <laughs> I've got a Daisy Pierce headline watch here oh boy because um, there's a second club obviously uh band over in the rooms we've talked about the fact that we get it it makes sense um, she should just be banned from all of them. Yeah, I think all media people should. And there's been a lot of articles about that this week, and I agree with it. Your Darcy's, your Bartels, mm-hmm. all these people who are involved with football clubs yep. and the media are not allowed to change rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so here's the headline. So SEN head- ran with, you can't do both jobs. Balm reveals why Tigers barred her from change rooms. Sensible headline. Uh, the age, the shorter version of that just says, you can't do both jobs. Tiger Balm tells Daisy Pierce. Wildwater Sports said... Daisy Pierce banned from Richmond Rooms. Neil Balm explains decision after Geelong coaching role. You know what's coming. The AFL Chronicle said AFL Powerhouse bans Daisy from change rooms. That the Daily one, Mail. That one is the borderline, right? Yeah. Oh no. The Daily Mail said seven commentator Daisy Pierce banned from Richmond dressing rooms, but not because she's a woman. I saw one. Why would it be? I saw one what? that said female commentator. Yeah, I saw that one too. That was the, that was the one today. Yeah. But not because she's a woman. Thanks, Daily Mail. None of us thought it was. No, no one did. You didn't need to bring and that it's up. Not, they're not being banned from the change rooms because that's where the men are getting naked <laughs> or anything like that. She's a coach. It's because she's a coach. And like, not not in a small role either. Like, she is an assistant coach on that mm-hmm. team's list currently. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's bizarre to me that you would let her in the rooms. Like, I, I'm, we talked about this immediately. So yeah, um, well done, Daily Mail, for making a pretty standard headline into a weird sexist piece. Um, weird, weird, weird. All right. I'm going to wrap up all of my notes with some 22 v 22s. Sweet. You got a who would win? Because I've got one. Okay. Week. You go first because I've got four. Oh, all right. So <laughs> we're going to roll out with the who would wins. Oh, I just want to jump in before that, mm. before we roll out the podcast uh, with the who would win section, which is a great That's way to finish. my favorite section. Um, I've been known to talk about Richmond Collingwood fans harshly, but... I think it's been a while since there's been as much excitement about both teams at the same, at the time. same time. And early in a home and away season when it's just all potential. 2018? Yeah, I think so. But it wasn't until the prelim, which mm. was going to be exciting anyway because it was a prelim. I think that it's just really interesting to see a home and away team where they're both just going. I think it's going to be really fun. Should be an absolute sellout, um, right? If it's not. Yeah, oh, and that's what I mean. It's just another week where the AFL is going to have probably 300,000 plus people at games, which is really cool. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm excited to watch that. Um, Especially how much those fans hate each other. Yeah. Like, it's going to be loud. Well, Collingwood fans got into a brawl last week. With I wouldn't themselves. expect was good. less than two this week. So, let's see. <laughs> All right. Uh, who would win? 2022 Brisbane, but coached by Ross Lyon. Ooh. Or 2022 Fremantle, but coached by Chris Scott. 2022 Fremantle, coached by Chris Scott. I thought so, too. He's I a better think, coach. And I think Brisbane was a bit defensive now with that list. Uh-huh. I can't see Brisbane's midfield applying the type of pressure that is needed from a for, Ross, for Ross Lyon's team. game. Yeah, I don't think so. Because uh, Ross Lyon has an ability to make no-name players look good. Yeah. Um, which is a thing he's done since the beginning of St Kilda. He did it at Fremantle as well. Remember how good some days like Tendai Mazungu would look? Um, and uh, he had a, a string of good taggers as well. I think he applies a lot more pressure than that Brisbane midfield would be used to and it would take them several seasons to get used to it whereas I feel like Chris Scott can adapt a game plan pretty well we saw that last year and Freo um, has a strong list and Freo does have a strong list they've got a good back six 
Um, Which Chris Scott loves. Reunited with Jordan Clark, so we'll see if he gets a game. <laughs> well, Scarlett's um, not there, so that's all right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think they would do better. Their forward line's worse, but it um, doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, so I'm picking, I'm picking uh, all right. Chris Scott's I mean, Geelong, Geelong's forward line, outside of a Tom Hawkins coming of age in the final series in 2011, wasn't fantastic either. Steve Johnson was had, it. had an old Steve Johnson. Karen Mooney got dropped for James Ponzi Adley. Pods Pods had a couple of good seasons in a row. He, got, he dislocated his shoulder a quarter into the grand final. Oh, I'll um, do a twenty-two Pods. Well, maybe they'll save that for another week. Twenty-two Pods. Um, all right, mine are all Ruckman. Oh, okay. Week. All right. I'm, so first one is the Battle of the West is twenty-two Dean Coxes versus twenty-two Aaron Sandlands. Oh, Cox. I think it's an Cox easy Cox. Is such a good footballer. How many Coxes would get injured? Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> would they Would they all last the game? Like, would they be running it out with sixteen? Because if you run off like a game to injuries rate... We're talking about knees. One uh, Cox would get injured more than every 22 games. Mm. So those Coxes aren't all making it through that game. It's a ticking time. Like, guaranteed, on. yeah. God forbid they have a half an hour break in if it was a, If it was a best of three, maybe the Sandy Lancers. Maybe. Because um, they'd be able to keep a full list. But um, Cox for me, yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting one, which I think is also an easy answer, which is 22 Dean Jollies. This is 22 Todd Goldstein. Darren Jolly. Darren Jolly. Why don't I fucking write Dean? Jolly. No, Dean Cox. I've copy-pasted. <laughs> if it was like a whole career sample size, Jolly, if it was 2016, 2015, Goldstein. Like that 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 year he had, outrageous. I find Darren Jolly an interesting one because even if you look at his stats, he's never been like the top Ruckman. But there was a period... Where his influence on At games, both clubs, Sydney and Collingwood, was just in he was insane. so vital to the way they played football. Uh-huh. Um, um, and that, he, he played that really good game we like from Nankervis or when Stanley plays well, or O'Brien. Um, yeah, or O'Brien, where he just negates a yeah. star ruckman and then has a good game. Yep. Um, and I think that's what he could potentially do to Goldstein, who I think is better probably forward and defensively. Yes. Um, but I feel like Darren Jolly's a real grinder. Yeah, he, uh, he'll grind him down. And maybe by the end of the game, Jolly's running him out. Yeah, I can aerobically. I feel like my answer is Todd Goldstein, but I don't think it's. I don't Gold, think Goldstein it's, uh, up by seven and a half time, but Jolly's pegging that back by the end of the game. <laughs> um, all right, this this one's relevant. I think yeah. the answer is also very obvious, which is twenty two Gorns versus twenty two Grundies. If we're talking twenty eighteen Grundy though, yeah, does it change? I even I just think Grundy around the ground. Mm. I'm having. You know, as a I'd ruckman, rather, as a ruckman, I think you're picking Gorn every time. If I'm but twenty two, if I'm having a midfield, I'd rather eight Grundies yeah, over absolutely. eight Gorns. Like just just do the Blixards and wait for the right tap to come to you. Mm. So I think that one's closer, but I think on talent, I have to give it to Gorn. Oh, right? I, also, Gorn up forward. I know Grundies had a few games where he hit back, but Gorn takes contested marks in the forward line. That's that's the issue. I think even though Gorn's had bigger bags, I feel like Grundy's always good for one More or two. More consistent, yeah. Um, so it's a, 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 I think that is, could be a good Gorn game Which Gorn is too. it? Is it, is it straight kicking Gorn or like 20, oh, 20 Gorn? Look, if we're going... Well, I would have to say like 2021, 2022 Gorn yeah. and 2018 Grundy. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's fair. Then... then Grand that's final close. year. I think it's Gorn. I think it's Gorn. Yeah. Uh, and this one's just... That, what it's they, outrageous that they're at the same club. That's it's like... ridiculous. You, Imagine you, having Max Gorn get injured yeah, and be like, oh, you lose shit, the best ruck play? in the country and then, oh, it's okay, we've got the second best, yeah. though. Uh, all right, last one's Battle of the Bridge. Is that what they call it in New South Wales? They did. I don't know if they still do. I think <laughs> they just call it the Sydney Derby now because they say it wrong. Uh, 22 Mumfords and 22 Prusas. <laughs> it's Mumford, but no one's leaving that game alive. <laughs> how, um, how many suspensions are there in that one game? Um, there'll be a few of them get off for being clumsy. <laughs> um, I... 
it's going to be interesting because you can't run into Mitch Duncan's head when you and it's Bruce's head because it's at your head height. Yeah, um, he's not low enough. Yeah, I, I, I think Mumford on on talent from what we've seen, like could Bruce be that good? We don't know. He doesn't play more than ten no, games yeah. a year. How old is Braden Bruce now? He'd have to be mid twenty-seven at least. Yeah, one hundred fourteen kilos. Ah, uh, twenty-seven. The big boy. Um, yeah, I'm going the Mumfords. Prime Mumford. Hold on, but. How tall is Mumford? Two or four? 199. Really? Not even two metres? So he's giving up seven centimetres on Bruce. So Bruce has him in height. Bruce is probably a bit more of an athlete too. And as far as weight's concerned, Bruce is heavier. Yeah, or now. Or like end of career, starter career? No, not starter career. Drafting weight Mumford was massive. Um, I, I think Mumford, but... Again, the athleticism of Bruce really, uh, really makes Could that be a bit different. Maybe we should make a, a simulation. A f- yeah, when when AFL twenty three comes, comes out, Mumford yeah. won't be in the game. Unfortunately, oh, that's a shame. We'll have to make our own Mumford. <laughs> DIY Mumford. <laughs> Just feed him hot dogs. We'll be right. <laughs> hundred nine centimeters tall, hundred and twelve kilos. <laughs> Low coordination stats, high power stat. It's fun. Maybe we should do that. That's probably a good time to leave this week. Um, <laughs> we've gone lengthy again uh, and late again because we keep doing this on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday. Uh, Things happen. Which means podcasts coming out the day the first game starts. But uh, that's fine. People listen the mood. to it in the lead up. That's what mood. I would do if I um, listen to our podcast, which I don't. Yeah, I, I've got to audio correct it so I <laughs> hear it. Um, but I'm actually I'm more excited for this week's footy than I was last week's. I think last week's games were about as exciting as I've expected them to be I would like I thought Brisbane Melbourne would be better I would like this week to actually have some standout defenders I feel like I haven't given a vote below four that I've felt great about Um, I felt good about Andrews three this week though two and one was was tough yeah Um, yeah it's it's been tricky the first week was good this week um, I'm excited for the showdown the derby could just like you said could be the junk time deluxe I will be there for that game watch the uh, watch the (laughs) What's the team of the week be? Uh, McGovern, Barras, Cox, Ryan, and Hayden <laughs> Young all having 15 marks each, and the game ends up being like six goals to seven. <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. Um, I'll be in the Eagles Premiership Terrace for the game. I don't know where that is. I've never been there. Uh, but I've got, that's what my ticket says. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and we'll come back to you next week with hopefully more exciting votes and better games. Yeah, and hopefully less talk. Um, no worries <laughs> uh, find us as always the back pocket au on all socials and youtube and we'll see you next week bye